today on Ready to Lead. If you think about this, that fine line disruption, you know, Uber, very disruptive, but at times probably crossing the line and the founder right. loved the scrap and probably pushed it too far. So it can have a negative connotation, especially in the UK, we're a bit softer. Mm -hmm. uh, and also it can be a quite vacuous, disruptive, like you, you said it, why? What are you just going to do? Shout and scream for the hell of it? No, there has to be some substance behind it and a mission. Right. And you have to have to better an industry and create a better product and service and remove friction and increase speed. Otherwise, you're just noisy. Welcome to Ready to Lead, a show that gives you, the leader, tools, tips, and insights you need to grow your team, your company, and yourself. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of Ready to Lead. Uh, we're so excited to have you with us again and learn how to be better leaders in every aspect of our life. I am more than thrilled. I, I'm, I am chuffed, as if you will, to have our next guest on, Mr. Rob Moore. You'll know why I said chuffed, given that he's a British buddy, and I, I, I love him dearly. I'm grateful for him. Rob, how are you doing today? Very good. Thanks, Jeff. Very good. Chuffed. Great, great. Like, like a true Brit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Somewhat many of the those that are listening and in, in the states are saying chuffed, but many of our British listeners are saying, "Huh, oh, all right," or, or they're probably <laughs> saying that was kind of awkward. Some American trying to use a British word that really didn't fit anyway. <laughs> e either way, <laughs> great to have you with us. Yeah, that, so, thanks for having me on the show, Jeff. Appreciate yeah, it. Yeah, you bet. So happy to to be together, and we've been working on getting this together, and I'm glad that we're finally here, mostly because of who you are and what, what you represent. For those that, that don't know Rob, Rob Moore is, the dude's a powerhouse. He's just, he's super great at what he does. He loves entrepreneurship and property investing. That's kind of how he got, he got his start, but he, he runs several businesses. He's the host of two super successful podcasts, and he truly lives up to his brand as an entrepreneur who disrupts. He's a very disruptive person in many ways and, and disruptive entrepreneur, which is his brand. But you may hear that and go, what, what does that mean? Well, I'm, I'm glad you're asking that because we'll, we'll dive into that in a little bit. But his interest range from property development to public speaking and digital media. He also is super massive giving back. He has uh, the Rob Moore Foundation that he's really helping and supporting people across the globe. It's just, it's awesome to have you here. I love your story. I'm excited for our listeners to hear as well. So Anything that I missed that you'd like to make sure that listeners know about you? Being a Brit, Jeff, it's difficult to sit here and blow my own trumpet. There's still <laughs> my issues around that. And on December the 15th, 2005, my dad had a massive nervous breakdown in his pub. He had a pub full of customers. I was nearly 26, still living in the pub, still working for my dad. He'd raised me to be an entrepreneur. He got me working age six in his pub, doing the bottling up and filling the, the barrels and the shelves and the fridges after a busy night. I'd even like take money and put it in the, the, the cash register. I'd count the money from the pool tables and the slot machines. And I worked for him weekends, evenings from age six and loved it. Wow. I just so wanted to be like my dad. I wanted to be an entrepreneur. And then I got into the school system and 
but look, that's another rant for another time. But I was going to say, say no more. <laughs> yeah, I never, thought, I never learned about money, business, or entrepreneurship at school. Put it that way. Yeah, and I, I'm seeing my dad have his nervous breakdown there. I managed to get him out the front of the pub, and he's the police got called, and he's getting beaten up by the police, and he got sectioned, he got diagnosed with bipolar, and. It's like my whole life is flashing me by. I'm 26, I'm skint, I'm living in my dad's pub. I've made nothing of my life. I'm 50 grand in debt. And I felt intense shame seeing that happen publicly to my dad, who had only ever worked 18 hours a day, six days a week to try and give me a good life. But that was 15 years ago, Jeff. And that was really the thing that lit a fuse in me to do something with my life and be useful, to feel useful in myself and be useful to others. And so I've actually written 18 books since then. I've got many of the UK best-selling books on business. I've got one called Money, one called Life Leverage. I've got thousand episodes now across my two podcasts, Disruptive nice. Entrepreneur and Money. I've interviewed 16 now billionaires, Floyd Mayweather twice, some unbelievably amazing people. Broke the world record for the longest speech. <laughs> Got myself out of debt, age 26. Made my first 100 grand, age 27. Millionaire 31, Decker millionaire 35. Raised more than a million pounds through my foundation, the Rob Moore Foundation and the charities we've supported. And I say all of that, Jeff, because I didn't want to just rein off a CV of the things I've done. I have 1,300 tenants in hundreds of properties that I own. I wanted to give it some context that it was because of my dad and one sort of how he taught me, but then making up for lost time when I wasted 10 years of my life being a complacent idiot. Hmm. And then, you know, when he had his nervous breakdown and this was 15 years ago and I managed to retire him two or three years later, I bought him a house, I'll buy him a car every couple of years and pay for him to travel around the world. He's got his 55 year anniversary being married to my mum in two years. So I'm going to pay for him to go to Singapore. And they're That's the awesome. things for me, the entrepreneur have given that are more than any best-selling book or million dollar status, if you like. Right. Right. That's so well said. And, and I love right away that we get to what really matters. Right. That's just, it's so brilliantly said. And in my opinion, likely very connecting to people listening, because when we do rattle off CVs that are kind of stale, that are kind of cardboard, it doesn't get to the essence of the human being. So, so that story back when you're 26, what happened to your dad? I think a lot of people can relate to that, something similar. And, and it really begs the question, why, why do we do what we do? How were we raised both personally and professionally? And, and now how do we lead? How do we, how do we take this to a healthier, higher, more, more productive level based on the difficulties that we've gone through. So thank you. I think I just, I really appreciate you starting there. I was going to ask a different question, follow up, but you've already answered it so, so masterfully. So for, for anyone listening, wait, what are we talking about? What, what is the, what's the point? The point is how do you disrupt yourself? How do you disrupt an industry? How do you be a disruptive entrepreneur and leader? What does that mean? So we'll, we'll kind of break that down, but also why does that even matter? How does that, why is there value in that? And how can the world benefit from our thinking that way? But before we get into that, I do have a question just for those that are, that are listening. When you tell people, here's, here it is, here's what I do. What do you say now? Like, you know, hey, Rob, how are you? Oh, what do you do? 
what, what's your answer? What would you, for, for those listening that are curious, what do you do? So I never answer what I do because I don't freaking know what I do. I, <laughs> you know, you know what it's like, Jeff, we spin a lot of plates. We like variety often. We don't want, I don't want to be labeled. We don't want to be typecast. So I never answer what I do. I always answer what my vision is because I'm actually mm. really crystal clear on that. So my personal vision is to help as many people on this planet start to scale their business and get better financial knowledge, full stop. And I've got billions of people I want to help. And that is what I do mm. in a vision statement, as opposed to, oh, well, I'm an entrepreneur and I invest in properties and I do social media and I write books and I'm a podcaster and right. I'm a speaker and yada yawn, you know? Yeah. They're all to that end, right? Which is great. And by the way, as you shared it, it fell off your tongue so naturally. You've said that thousands of times, right? You've got yeah, to get super clear. It's similar with mine. I've learned the clearer I am, the better. And so mine rolls off my tongue as well. I help CEOs confidently grow their business without losing their souls. That's what I do, right? And so super, super simple. But the, therein, in and of itself, is an awesome leadership lesson. Why do we do what we do? What are we on the planet to really accomplish? And the clearer we are with our personal vision, the more naturally things will flow to us that, that accomplish and further that vision, and also the easier it is for us to say no to things that just aren't relevant to that overall vision. So super well said. I, I love that. So thank you. It's so great, Rob. Okay, so now I've got another question around disruption. When, when you say you're the disruptive entrepreneur, for our listeners that are, that are on this podcast, what does disruption mean to you? When you say disruptive entrepreneur and disruption, kind of, let's unpack that a little bit. What do you mean by disruption and be a disruptive entrepreneur? So a few years ago, let's say seven, I realized if I wanted to be able to grow globally, which I do, I needed to extricate myself and my brand from my UK training company. Hmm. So my, my UK training company at the time was called Progressive Property. We now have Progressive Property and Progressive Success. And anyone who knew Progressive Property back then, we managed to get that to be the UK's largest property training company. People would always say, Rob and Mark at Progressive. Hmm. And so... One year I did 250 something training days, teaching courses on property training because everyone wanted Rob and Mark at Progressive. And let's say Jeff had a thousand properties in a different strategy than Rob knew. And I wanted to bring Jeff in to teach and he was so well qualified. Everyone was still going in and now Rob and Mark. So we painted ourselves into a corner with our brand whereby we were so intrinsically linked to it, I couldn't really scale it and I definitely couldn't sell it. So we went on a rebrand mission to move myself and my business partner out of association with the brand and bring in trainers and be called Progressive Property, who mm -hmm. have our master trainers as opposed to Rob and Mark. And I did some surveying and research in our communities, asking people to use words and phrases to describe the, and every other word was disruptive. That's just what they kept spitting out. Interesting. So it, it wasn't like it was an intentional 
because also at the time then it started to have slightly negative connotations. Because, you know, if you think about there's that fine line disruption, you know, Uber, very disruptive, but at times probably crossing the line and the founder right. loved the scrap and probably pushed it too far. So it can have a negative connotation, especially in the UK, we're a bit softer. Mm -hmm. uh, and also it can be a quite vacuous, disruptive, like you, you said it. Why? What are you just going to do? Shout and scream for the hell of it? No, there has to be some substance behind it and a mission. Right. And you have to have to better an industry and create a better product and service and remove friction and increase speed. Otherwise, you're just noisy and mm -hmm. I can be noisy. So uh, uh, we, we decided that the brand worked, the disruptive entrepreneur, because every other person was saying it about me in a positive and negative way. And I figure a good brand has some negative as well as positive. Yeah. So we just went with it because I'm a start now, get perfect later kind of person. And seven years on, it, it, it stuck with us. And I have yeah. a podcast called The Disruptive Entrepreneur that's over 750 episodes. Wow. So to be disruptive, I believe, is to shake up how things are done and do them better with boldness and bravery of the ridicule and the competition that you'll get going and shaking up an industry. So, and I've, I ask at the end of every one of my episodes, what does disruptive mean to you? And, you know, I've had some brilliant definitions from billionaires and uh, amazing successful people, but I think it is finding an industry or an area that is lazy, that is um, monopolized, that is not representing good value, improving it, removing the friction, increasing the speed. And when you do that, you're going to upset the status quo and you accept the criticism ridicule that comes from the status quo. So for me, that's the true, true nature of being disruptive. But you also said, Jeff, and I want to pick up on it, disrupting yourself. Mm -hmm. I believe the greatest challenge is continually disrupting yourself. So you're not complacent. Agreed. You're not starting to ride on your past or believe your own hype. I, I, I believe that you know, with every new level is a new devil and your reward for solving a problem is a greater problem. And some people think I'm a little bit negative about that. Be positive, Rob. I saw Steve Harvey's page today. There's two types of people, humble people and about to be humble people. And I thought that was a good little thing. <laughs> Very good. So yeah, there's just some thoughts, Jeff, on disruptive and what it means and how it came about. That's so great. There's so much I want to unpack. So as you're listening, by the way, thank you for that. That's super helpful. You may be listening as an entrepreneur and business owner. You may be listening as a manager of a team. You may be listening as an aspiring manager to a team who's, who's getting ready for that. And some of, you know, some, if you're an aspiring manager, you may think, wow, this isn't really relevant for me because I don't own a business or, or what have you. That last part, however, being able to and learning how to disrupt yourself, it's critical. It's critical to progressive growth. It's critical to staying out of apathy and out of entitlement and, and continually pushing ourselves. So hopefully you heard that nugget. If you're an entrepreneur and you're thinking of, of, of what Rob just shared, there was, I mean, there were five episodes in and of himself of what you just shared. So I'll, I'll unpack one just a little bit. And that is 
where there is a lack of value, where there is apathy and laziness, and you didn't say this word, but I'll say it, selfishness, to really protect the interest of the business and not the clients and the customers that they serve, are great opportunities to know where, where to disrupt. And if we find ourselves looking in the mirror that we are in an industry like that and we are happy and lazy and just kind of going through the motions, it's just a good wake-up call because we're either humble or we're going to be humble, to, to use your line, or to Steve Harvey's line, I, I totally am with you. So I think those are just really great ways to think of growing our business, growing ourselves, and thinking of the positive of, of disruption and how that can definitely make an impact. I'd love to hear, given your vast expertise and, and knowledge and history of interviewing you know, hundreds and hundreds of people as well as doing many events, I'm, I'm sure you have a story or two about seeing a particular individual or company or industry choosing to disrupt and, and seeing the positive impact. I'd love to hear something in that regard. And or conversely, a time where disruption was there for the taking, but the person or company did not disrupt and the negative implications that occurred. I'd love to hear your wealth of wisdom, any of those stories that come to mind of, of either positive disruption or, or lack thereof and seeing the negative consequences. Well, I'm going to give you an answer I've never given before, Jeff. So, and I've been interviewed a lot of times. I'm going to tell you the industry that I'm in, that I'm going for. So I'm not going to mention any names because it's not my style, but there is a company who are probably the biggest global promoter of events and they promote the most famous personal development person in the world. Most people would know this person's name and everyone I've ever spoken to that speaks for this company says they're treated badly, they're either never paid or they're paid months and months and months late. And no one I know who speaks for this company has a good word to say about them. And everyone is owed hundreds of thousands of pounds. And they are probably the world's biggest global promotion company. Hmm. So I'm coming for them. And I like... In the lockdown, I paid every one of my trainers. We couldn't run an event for a year. We do 850 training events a year in a non-lockdown year. Well, for one year, we couldn't run a single event. Mm. And I paid every one of my speakers and trainers. And yet this company's been going for probably three decades and yet these people who are friends of mine who make millions of speakers still speak for this company, even though they're owed 600 or 800 grand, probably some cost fallacy, or probably they think they're going to get it back. So they keep speaking and it just, I can't believe they get away with it. So that, that industry now, I know it's hard to run big events. You know, you couldn't run an a, a event. And you can have three or five or 10 or 20,000 people in that event. And you only need that to be half full and you can go bust on one event because right. events are expensive. And depending on your financial model as well, you might need to make model at revenue at the event as opposed to having all of your money up front. But I just think that, that it, that's how can they get away with that? How? Hmm. 
no other industry. So that's right for disruption and I'm going right. for it. Right. I love it. I love yeah. it. It's painful. It is. It's super painful to see. And man, it can be, it can be maddening when you're on the, the other end of, of that service or lack thereof. And to just, I think, and, and that's what Uber felt, right? That's definitely there. And, and another quick story that I'll share that is in my personal life. How often do you go to rent a car and you're waiting in line forever? It's understaffed. When you finally do get to the, to the desk, there's, especially now post-COVID, not a lot of selection and the cost is higher. Oh, and by the way, when they go to serve your order and take it, they're printing it on what? A dot matrix printer. And they, you know, pull off the little dot, the correlated lines and they get, it's like, just that alone, it just screams for disruption. Guess who's doing it? A company called Turo, T-U-R-O. I will promote them forever. I, I get nothing for it. But they disrupted the rental car industry in such a powerful way that the customer experience is so, so night and day different. I will never go back. And so for those curious, Turo is like Airbnb for cars. And so everyday people put their cars on this app and you go and check, you know, where you want to go, what car you want. By the way, the selection is massively uh, different. It's, It's a wonderful selection. And the cost is less. The convenience is significantly more. You can get picked up right at the airport or wherever destination you want to be for free. It's amazing. So that's an example of lack of service, a lot of apathy, not a lot of innovation, right for disruption. And Turo came in and did just that. Why? They just weren't serving clients very well. They still aren't. Mm-hmm. And, and that's a great, great indicator when we're not. So now as leaders, where can we disrupt ourselves? Where are we not serving our teams well? Where are we a little apathetic? Where might we level up a little bit? Are we comfortable within our team? If you're in a new team, you're going, I, I don't know what you're talking about. But if you've been leading a particular team for a while and a company for a while, it's just human nature to get in ruts. Get out of the rut and find ways to serve your team in a much more selfless, much more engaging, much more powerful way. That's just a nice little, little, uh, little golden nugget for you that, that I think will be helpful. So I want to change directions a little bit with you, Rob. One of the posts that you shared a few months back that for me was one of the most powerful posts I've seen you share, and you share a lot, you have great content on multiple social platforms, was when you, you told the story about and, and gave the picture of the younger you. It was the younger you, you were probably, I think if I remember correctly, 12-ish, and you called yourself that chubby little kid or something like that, and then my heart just melted for you. I was like, oh, I want to learn. I want to know who this kid is. And you spoke to yourself in that regard. There was an element of disruption and leadership in that post that was palpable. It, it was so inspiring. And the comment, you know, the engagement in the comments obviously speak for themselves to, to validate what I'm saying and to validate your post. But I'm curious, you know, as you spoke to him and talked about him, what, what prompted you to share that story? Knowing who you are, there's a I'm sure a solid reason as to why I want to know the story for me selfishly, but there's also, I think a lot of great leadership tied into this. So help us, help us understand what prompted you to share that story. Okay. So I put a post up of a picture of me when I was 12, I was the fattest kid in my year at school. And then a picture of me when I was like 35, where 
I'm obviously a Greek statue now. Looking <laughs> strong and sexy. I mean, I'll yeah. just say it. Come on. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm obviously leaner. And I, I said in the post that I wish I could go back and hug that young kid and tell him that everything is okay and he's useful and valuable and loved. So, and I've done loads of personal development hundreds of thousands of pounds worth of all the American courses, more the leaders and the greats and learn so much. But only until about two years ago, did I hire my first therapist. Hmm. Maybe that's a bit British and reserved about it. But I also <laughs> thought, well, I've done all the personal development courses, the NLP, the hypnosis, every letters of accreditations I've probably got from right. all the traders but I've never had a therapist. And so I have had a therapist on and off for two years. And the thing she keeps telling me is that I need to love that younger me. And she caught me really, really off guard. Probably the most brutal session I've had with her because we were talking about when I was the fattest kid in school, getting bullied, girls didn't want to be with me. All the kids took the piss out of me, got picked last for most sports, except rugby, because that you're good at rugby. I felt so much on the outside. I felt so lonely. I used to wait the bed boarding school till I was quite old, like 12. There's only two kids in the whole board, two kids in the whole boarding school who wet the bed age 12, and I was one of them. So there was massive shame and loneliness and embarrassment at that age for me at school. And then I learned to cope and fit in by, I learned to be nice to everyone and get on with everyone, but it, it but I became such a people pleaser and it, it created so much resistance to conflict in me and pain mm. around any conflict or, or not fitting in. I, I just spent my whole teenage years in pain. And my therapist keeps bringing this up every time I've got some kind of challenge. And she said, well, what would you say to your 12-year-old self if you met him? I said, I don't really know. And she said, well, what would you feel about him? I said, I I'd be embarrassed and ashamed of him. And she was shocked. She, like, she, she said, I can't believe that you're saying that. You know, you should love him. Hmm. And then I listed out all the things in my life that I felt I'd done wrong when I'd steal 20 pence pieces out of my mum's purse. And she's like, well, every kid does that. I felt shame around that and any neediness or... And, I, and it was just intensely humiliating for me to go back through that. And I clearly have not yet learn to love that part of myself or that shame that's still there. And so that's what triggered to write the post, Jeff. And I know that the upside of that is that it still drives me today to want to be an entrepreneur. You know, you know I saw Ed Sheeran talk about people who do selfies. I don't do selfies. And I always actually hadn't articulated it like this, but if you have to keep taking pictures of yourself and showing people Clearly, there's something that maybe you're not comfortable in yourself. Mm -hmm. I don't take pictures of myself, but I see people who, who do, and I think that sometimes. 
but I do put a lot of myself out on social media. And I think, why do I do that? I want to make a difference. I want to help. I want to help a billion people. I want to be a successful entrepreneur. But honestly, Jeff, I want to be noticed and useful and valuable and liked and loved and admired and respected, mm. which I wasn't for so many years that I built yeah. up such shame. And so I guess what therapy and personal development and all the Tony Robbins courses and all the the leadership courses, I guess what that's done is I don't think I'll ever fully get rid of some of that loneliness, mm-hmm. but I've, used, I've learned to use it for a force for good rather right. than, and not, and it's not selfish anymore because, mm. you know, for many years I was feeling my way out building this personal brand and a lot of it was for the recognition and the praise and that's good because it was getting some was good because I never got it. But, you know, to be a, a true entrepreneur, as you know, Jeff, it has to be about service. It has to be yeah. about helping others. Right. But because I've got that experience of shame and being the fattest kid, I think I could, I could help a lot of people because it's a, it's a level deeper. You know, you know, we put ourselves out there, we get lots of critics, we get trolling, we get hatred as entrepreneurs, and you're only going to get more of it, new level, new devil. And sometimes... A comic can cut straight through and hurt you like you're a, a vulnerable child. So, yeah, no, it's a bit of a long answer, yet, but I felt I needed context. I think it's a, a brilliant answer and one that I'll spend a little bit of time to to really process with people listening. First, thank you, thank you for your courage and your vulnerability. I think it's beautiful. Second, those listening, I guarantee much of what Rob just shared struck straight to your heart really struck a chord and maybe not to your heart, maybe to your mind, depending on where you process thoughts and emotions. But I've said many, many times as I lead, especially as I'm coaching with CEOs, I I say a lot, this simple phrase, all we are as adults is adolescents in big people's bodies. That's it. And and we're all we're doing is working through. And I, when I say all, I mean, all, all of us, are working through understanding and being at peace with who we have been and who we are today and who we're going to become. That's the journey and the beauty of life, and that is leadership. And and I found that the most respected, most successful, most sustainably impactful leaders are the ones that have somehow found peace with who they were as a child and adolescent. Because we all have trauma, we all have issues, we all have all sorts of legitimate reasons to be self-conscious, to doubt ourselves, to have imposter syndrome, to constantly question if, we're, if we belong. We all have very legitimate reasons, but the most powerful leaders are the ones that have found a way to find peace with that inner conflict. And your therapist is spot on to be able to say, how do we love that child that's within? How do we find gratitude for who we were and now who we are today because of who we were? It's just, there's so much power. Otherwise, we project so much of our own insecurities and difficulties and darkness onto the people that we're with and the people that we lead. Think about your best leaders. The, the ones that are the best are the ones that help you shine and are selfless. The ones that hoard the power, that are threatened constantly about man, are you going to take my job, are the ones that inside are dying. They're hurting. They haven't been able to lead themselves powerfully yet. So 
you're doing that. And, and you said you, you don't quite have the love yet for that 12-year-old. Maybe not, but I, I sense the love you have for him is significantly greater than it was, say, two years ago. And the fact that you were able to share that publicly tells me you're massively progressed in your ability to just embrace that. Otherwise, you don't share it, right? It's like, ah, don't, don't think about that kid, right? For me, it was the, the Coke bottle glasses of little boy. I'm legally blind. I had broken my teeth on a brick wall when I was nine years old. I mean, when I say brick, I mean running with my sister tripped up and there was a foot and a half brick wall. I fell on, of all places, right on my teeth. And they didn't break, actually, I, I misspoke. My teeth went up my nose an, an inch and a half. And I had all sorts of problems, <laughs> just trauma. I mean, literal physical trauma, emotional trauma, just a dorky, geeky little kid and just was not much to behold <laughs> and, and had my own, my own version of, of your same story and did not like myself for a long time until I learned when I can serve other people, I find a glimmer of happiness in my heart. I want to do that because I, I was... I was sad. I was alone. I, I was made fun of a lot. And I was kind of the kid on the, on the outskirts. I didn't get picked for any sport, <laughs> especially not rugby. because <laughs> <laughs> I, I was very small, still am. But I learned at a younger age how to love other people, which in turn helped me love myself, which then translated into I love leading and why we're on this podcast. So we all have our story. We all have our version of what, what was that child that is within and how do we love that person in order to then lead other people thank you for for pulling that out and pulling that out of me as well and ideally for those listening how do we find that ability to find peace and love for the person that is within it is who we are today so why not be grateful for it versus be bitter from it so that in and, in and of itself is a level of disruption right as we have already talked about so good uh, what do you see is there a correlation between effectively disrupting yourself or any business and being in, in touch with your true self? You know, do, you, do you see any, have you ever thought of that? So, yeah. so go ahead. What, what thoughts come to you as, you as you think of that question? Okay, so the true self or authenticity, I think that is a more complex subject than it's given airtime for. True. I'll, I'll try and do it succinctly but i think there's some interconnected things i can join here so i think if you are hurt as an individual you're going to hurt other people hmm. and that, that's saying to hurt people hurt people i think is not everyone who's hurt hurts people some people retreat and hide yeah if you're hurt you may hide or you may hurt back but you know, this is a leadership podcast and I think you can only effectively lead others consistently when you let go of the hurt you're feeling and the negativity you might experience towards yourself. Hmm. I believe the universe is a mirror. So I believe, you know, there's a saying, perception is projection. And the same is in reverse. So if you are hurt and you react and you lash out, then you're going to put people's back up, backs up and make them combative. And your whole life is going to be a combat. 
Right. The universe is going to give you back exactly what you give it. So if you want love back, you have to give love out. But to give love out, you have to love within before you can love without. So it's very interconnected. Right. So, you know, your self-worth and how you feel about yourself then projects out and attracts people or helps people lift up to a level of good self-worth. And then the universe, as it's a mirror, reflects back and gives you back that to which you want. Brilliant. So, you know, if you want to be a good leader and you want great mentees, you've got to be a great mentor to attract great mentees. And to be a great mentor, you've got to be comfortable with who you are. And being comfortable with who you are means you accept criticism. And trolling and negative feedback and being challenged, etc. Yeah. But to enable yourself to accept all that, you have to not be hurt inside because when you're hurt, you'll react. So yeah. if Love you're it. able to say to yourself that despite your failings and failures, you are not a failure, and despite all the trauma you've experienced, you're a useful and valuable person. And so from within, not without, know you're useful and valuable because we all are. Truly. That's the strong foundation to be a leader. Hmm. Then you have to accept that how you receive information from people is fully your responsibility and you control it. So, Jeff, if you criticized me here now, I could choose to go, wait a minute, we're supposed to be friends. I didn't like the way you speak to me. Or I hmm, what am I supposed to learn? Is Jeff okay? Jeff isn't normally like that. He's normally a kind person as something happened. So when you take nothing personally other than how you react to situations, you can no longer be triggered. Right. And then when you're not triggered, you're a brilliant leader. Right. All of us come when we're triggered. None <laughs> of them come when we're not. It's true. So, Very true. And this all comes from personal responsibility. So yeah. I am learning. And I, I, look, remember, there's still a, a hurt little boy inside me. So... At times things get through my armor or I have to take a breath or sit on something for a while. I'm not always this Jedi master of, oof. but any criticism I read, I read of me online, all I know is that's an upset, angry, hurt, lost and lonely person. Mm -hmm. They don't know me. So it's nothing to do with me. Right. If I get adverse reaction from my staff, it's because they're stressed or they're overwhelmed. Or they've got stuff at home or they're not getting all well with their manager. So when you know that nothing is your fault, and the only thing that you can own is your reaction and your response to what happens, and you take nothing personally, that's a foundation to be a leader. Right. Whereas people see leadership often the other way, you know, in terms of, autonomy or autocratic or dictatorial or mm -hmm. hierarchical. No, 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 no. None of these are leaders. Cause you, you, Jeff, you know, you can manage up as well as manage down. You can lead up right. as well as lead down. Right. But this is what I mean, you know, when disrupting yourself, this is, 
interlinking some of these statements you made. Disrupting yourself is disrupting your old patterns of triggers and cutting them off and knowing, because you could say something, Jeff, and it could make me feel like the 12-year-old kid that I did. But you're mm -hmm. not sitting there going, how can I make Rob feel shame like he's right. 12? Right. You're not thinking that. You don't know right. what happened. You don't know my baggage. But if you react and take it out on me, I know that's not me. I know that's you because I know you've got something going on in your life and that's called compassion. And compassion is a great place to come from as a leader. It yeah. also gets to the facts because, you know, he said, she said, they said, well, actually, if you go, okay, what's caused them to say that and then to say that and then to say that and what are their triggers, you can actually get to the facts of the information and you need the facts to be able to lead properly. I love it. So well said. One of the things you said a little bit, a little bit back was, you know, in order to be a great mentor and to have mentees, you need to be a great mentee to be a great mentor, right? And that comes from self-awareness and humility that, that is critical. The, the best leaders are the best followers. And, and the way that we implement that is through humility, through self-awareness, through growth and a desire to serve other people for the motives that are to bless others' lives, not the motive to make ourselves look awesome. Right. And if we're not at peace with the inner person that we are, those motives can very easily get confused. As you mentioned earlier on when you were, you know, larger on social media and you had all this, it was filling your cup in a way that was like, I'm liked, I belong, this is great. And then as as time went on and you and you really got more comfortable in your own skin, the motive started to shift to be much less self selfless and more selfless and or selfish and selfless to be able to really serve other people. And that at the crux of it is leadership. So Rob, I, I could talk with you for hours. Uh, seriously, I love it. But I like to keep our podcast a little bit shorter. So I'm, I'm going to wrap it up here. But before I do, again, thank you. Thank you for just being authentically you. It's so awesome. I love the no script. Just, we just riff and goodness came from it. So thank you. So two quick things before we leave. How can people find you? Yes, yeah, so I'd probably go to my disruptive entrepreneur podcast. Great. Um, that's probably where you just get lost in a rabbit hole of all my content there. Except there'll probably be 800 episodes by the time this is live. And then I'm on all social media under the username Rob Moore or Rob Moore Progressive. Got it. And Moore is M-O-O-R-E, which you've probably yeah. already seen from the show notes, but just in case you're not reading that and you're hearing that. Awesome. Okay, so now one last question. What is one takeaway you would like to leave people with before we part ways? Okay. Well, I'm going to help you with the promotion of this, Jeff, because I want to support you. So first, could you shout out the name of your podcast so all my listeners can come and download it? <laughs> You're amazing. It is ready to lead, to help leaders be ready to lead every day because we're never fully ready, but we, we want to help new and aspiring and accidental leaders feel ready to lead to serve other people. So thank you. Great. And I finish every single piece of my content, thousands of episodes across all media with the saying that's kind of, well, it is mine. Everyone's nicked quotes, but this is mine. <laughs> and that is... <laughs> If you don't risk anything, you risk everything. Mm. And I really believe that greatness and beauty and progress and experience in life and wealth and relationships and success 
is on the other side of being bold and taking risks. Doing things that are uncomfortable, that are scary, that are a bit big for you, that you're not quite ready for. So I would like to leave everyone by saying, if you don't risk anything, you risk everything. Genius. Seriously. That is, and I love how all-encompassing that is. Across the board, from personal relationships to your personal wealth to success in business to whatever it is in sports, like that's it. I love that. That is, that's genius. Well, well, well said and well done. Thank you, my friend. Well, everybody, thank you for being a part of this today. I hope this was uh, hel as helpful for you as it was for me. I mean, this is, this is great for my own uh, personal need and use, which was great. But ideally, you're taking action. You're doing something from this podcast that's eliciting a little bit of change, helping you be a little bit disruptive in your life, maybe a lot bit, taking that risk write something down and take action. And we'd love to hear from you of what you've learned and what you, what you uh, applied from this particular episode. But without further ado, thank you, Rob. I appreciate you. You're, you're the best. Uh, thank you everyone for listening. Rob, have a wonderful, probably evening for you with your family, but thank you for taking the time out of your busy life to, to be with us. I really appreciate you. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks everyone. Yeah, it's bedtime for me now. <laughs> <laughs> Cheers, everyone. Thanks. Thanks for listening to the Ready to Lead show. If you enjoyed the show, please leave a rating on your favorite podcast platform. And if you want to stay updated on the release of new episodes, be sure to hit that follow button. And Jeff and Richard, they want to hear from you. If there's an episode topic you'd like to hear them dive into, or something about today's episode that was a big breakthrough, or maybe even something you disagree with, they want to know. Send them an email at feedback at readytolead.com. Thanks again for tuning into this episode. We'll see you on the next one. <laughs>